0: Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available
1: now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Drag Race
0: the best drag we win, drag we win. And so much more. Subscribe to Wow Presents Plus. Still only four ninety nine. Subscribe today as streamed on TV.
1: I am Matt McConkey. I am a writer, performer, and host of this podcast about and just like that. But now that we've recapped both seasons of the show, I couldn't help but wonder: Should I go back and cover the original Sex in the City? The answer, of course, is no, but I can't be stopped, so every week I'll be joined by my very own Mirandas and Charlottes to unpack an episode or movie of their choosing. We're doing Sex and the City Roulette with extra Samantha and none of the Che. And just like Matt, welcome to the show. Folks, I have a bit of a confession to make. You know, I was out all night long last night, salsa dancing and doing shots until the break of dawn. But now I'm having a coffee the size of my head. I'm trying to pull it together because we've got a show to do. Today, we are talking Sex and the City, season two, episode four. It's called They Shoot Single People, Don't They? Question mark. This is the one where Carrie's on the cover of New York Magazine and she's looking rough. And Miranda is faking orgasms. In a way, everybody is faking something in this episode. But luckily, I am joined by a guest who always keeps it real. She is a veteran comedy variety TV writer, producer, showrunner, known for her work on The Late Show with David Letterman, The Rosie O'Donnell Show, the original Best Week Ever, the Graham Norton Effect, Watch What Happens Live, Busy Tonight, and She's the co-host and producer of the popular podcast, Busy Phillips is doing her best with her creative partner, Busy Phillips. She is the married and fabulous exclamation point, Casey St. Ange. Casey, huh? hi.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for being here. I have to start off with, I, I don't even know how I could possibly dovetail this into Sex and the City related. It's so not, but right before I logged on, I saw a a slideshow on Instagram of you in a Dunkin' Donuts tracksuit. Could you please explain?
0: Oh my gosh, Matt. Uh, The only thing I saw from the Super Bowl this year, because I actually went to New York City to help Busy with her divorce garage sale. Wow. And day two of the divorce garage sale was on Super Bowl Sunday. And so we had... You know, we were curious, what's the traffic going to be like on a garage? Like, is this good counter-programming to the Super Bowl? We packed it in and went home to her apartment, fondly known to us as Casa Kismet, and promptly discovered that, like, her assistant had installed a new TV, but hadn't, like, set it up yet. Tech issues. And so we could not get the television to work. And we were like, Mm -hmm. we can't even tune into the Super Bowl. So we were like in sort of in tandem. Busy was watching the Super Bowl through a neighbor's window, like her own window, like looking into a neighbor's apartment. And then I was on Twitter being like, oh, the Ben Affleck Duncan ad just happened. (laughs) And so I am sort of I don't know if you know this. I'm from Massachusetts. I just say Boston for short near Boston, Mm -hmm. obsessed with the concept of Ben Affleck obsessed with his many viral trying to carry trays of Dunkin Donuts moments obsessed (laughs) with his rekindling of his romance with Jennifer Lopez. I went, I had like a little bit of a viral moment myself when I was theorizing that they were somehow recreating the Jenny from the block video because they had put themselves even Ryan Seacrest talked about it on his radio show and oh my God. some it didn't happen and they like issued a, like a formal denial that they weren't recreating the Jenny from the Block video but i somehow feel like deep down inside Maybe like I thwarted it, like maybe my enthusiasm, like maybe they were doing it. Is right. this delusional like, of damn, me? Tell she's me.
1: She's on to us.
0: Yeah. Like it, she listen. figured it out. And so let's call it. Let's pull the plug on this because it's not. She ruined the surprise. Like, is that delusional of me to think?
1: I'm with you. I mean, it would never have occurred to me. But as soon as you said it, you know, the truth just has a certain ring to it. And just things started to sort of memento into place in my mind. And I appreciate that you specifically are obsessed with not Ben Affleck, but the concept of Ben Affleck. The concept. Because they are two different things.
0: Yeah. Because like, listen, I don't know this guy. Like, I mean, I know him, right? Like he's base, he's basically a relative of mine because of just being from Massachusetts. But I sure. don't know him in real life. I don't know him. So like, and I understand that people have feelings about him. He's polarizing, at, just like anyone. But you know, particularly Ben, I feel like is is out there polarizing people like the famous soda, also from Massachusetts, Polar Seltzer. He's polarizing mm. people. And uh, so it, it's really the concept and the brand of Ben Affleck that I am always rooting for because I don't know the guy. But anyway, yeah, cut to on our podcast. I talked about Dunkin Donuts for a full seven minutes and the Ben Affleck ad and how much I enjoyed it. And so Duncan heard of it and then they sent us the Dunkings track suits from the from the commercial and i am like a pig in shit can you swear on this podcast
1: absolutely it looks so cute (laughs) i have to say like it's the description i'm I'm sure people i can imagine it from the ad but when you say dunkin donuts track suit you might your mind might not go to like oh i bet that's a fetching look but it actually is very cute
0: Thank you. I'm very excited. And now I guess I'm going to be Ben Affleck for Halloween. Like that's the next. Yeah. What that makes sense. Have? Right. Because I have that outfit and I really I just hope I run into Ben Affleck one day and I can I'm not going to probably even talk to him because I never I never talk. You know, don't meet your heroes. Right. Sure. But I would just like to like, you know, nod in his direction and acknowledge like all the joy, the concept of him has brought me over the years. I want that for you.
1: Let me ask you, uh, where are you emotionally with the concept of Carrie Bradshaw? Like what's your, what's your history with sex in the city?
0: Really interesting to me, maybe to some of you, I did not watch sex in the city the first time around, or even really the second time around. I never watched sex in the city. And it's interesting to me because I lived in New York as a young single woman. I worked in media. And so it should have been right up my alley, this show. And I, also I've crossed paths so many times with Sarah Jessica Parker. I'm a fan of hers. I loved her in Footloose. I loved her in Square Pegs. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm not dating myself too much, she was in Square Pegs, right? That was yeah, her. yeah. That was her. I was young enough that I'm like, oh my God, I'm misremembering that it was Sarah Jessica Park, but it was, but I just, I really like her as a person. I, I think she's fantastic and fabulous and deserves the icon status she's earned. I just never watched sex in the city for some reason. And so I was kind of like, you know how it is when you miss out on a a cultural phenomenon and you're just like. There gets to be a point where you're like, Oh, it's our, it's past me. Like I'm just, I'm missing out on it. You know, just like we missed out on the Super Bowl. I didn't, I could never figure out like when I'm going to get in on this. You know what the truth is? I just realized, you know, why I didn't watch sex in the city when I was young and living in the city. I didn't have cable television.
1: I mean, pretty good reason.
0: Very Carrie Bradshaw. Like I could not afford cable television. And uh, it wasn't until much later that we got cable television and then it was already happening. So anyway, I opted out of it in the first place. But I recently, and without bringing the room down too much, I lost my mom just over a year ago, kind of suddenly. And, and that's a bummer to yeah, go through that. I'm so that. sorry. Thank you. That's very kind. It was like, it it was. It was three days before Christmas. And so, um, every phone call that I had to deal with, like, d- because when someone dies, you have to, you know, the next of kin has to deal with, it was so ho- People could not control themselves from saying Merry Christmas at the end of phone calls. So <laughs> <laughs> It was such a weird experience to have be like, people be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You lost your mom. Thank you for calling. Merry before they would hang up and I'd just be like, Oh my God, they can't stop. It's a reflex. So anyway, that's what that was like. But anyway, one of the things that I did really to comfort myself is like, because I've I've talked a lot about this on our podcast too, is like grief, I think, or any kind of sadness is like, it's almost like having for me like a touchy stomach, like an upset, like a stomach virus, you know? Mm -hmm. And like just the same way when you have a stomach virus, you go to the refrigerator when you're starting to feel a little bit better or like a little hungry and you look at what's in the fridge and are you like this? You're like, Oh, I could have the ginger ale. I could have, but Oh no, I can't have orange juice. Like orange juice would be too much. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of how I felt about entertainment, I guess like what, or what, however I was filling my time. Like, in that time, I was like certain things I would just like look at the menu on my television and be like, oh, nope, nope, not that mm-hmm. I couldn't watch that. But this I could watch. So I like completed watching the Jeffersons. And then oh, wow. when <laughs> that was like my comfort. My that comfort, does sound comforting. It was very comforting. I loved the Jeffersons when I was a little kid, like watching reruns of the Jeffersons. I, While well, speaking of like Sex in the City, New York City again, like they lived in that great apartment. That was like my my fantasy ideal of what a New York City apartment should be like, the, the, the apartment that Jeffersons lived in. So anyway, when I was finished watching the Jeffersons, I was like, what am I going to watch next? And then... Everybody was talking about and just like that, and everybody was talking about Che Diaz and what. And I was like, again, once again, feeling left out of the conversation. And I realized that totally against her character and who she was as a person, my mom watched Sex in the City. She watched it in reruns because, as I think I told you over email, my mom did not care for sex nor the city. But, <laughs> and it was so strange to me when I realized that she was watching sex in the city. She was just binge watching it at one point. And I was like, my, like my mom did not like cursing. She did not like my mom didn't like a lot of things. And I honestly couldn't picture her liking these characters at all. Right. It was so wild to me that she had been a Sex in the City watcher. And so when I saw that come up in my menu, I was like, you know what? I'm going to consume the entire canon of Sex in the City, starting with episode one. For the first time. For the first time. And like as a way to try to get inside the mind of my mom and what could (sighs) have been going on that she was watching this show. And so I just watched it from soup to nuts.
1: Wow. I have so many questions. What a fascinating way in to this show. Okay. So first of all, do you think it's possible that your mom, I mean, she was watching reruns. She might've been watching the E! Network version of it, Yes, which had a lot of the sex was cut and swearing was cut out of. So it might which people didn't, most people didn't love, but it might've right. been the perfect version for your mom.
0: Yeah, I think that you are probably 100% right because like just to say a little bit about my mom. Mom, I'm sorry if you're listening to podcasts wherever you are now. Okay. She didn't have like the most sophisticated taste in entertainment. She would like whenever I would call her, she would be watching like on full blast a Disney Channel show. Like that was about <laughs> her speed. So that's why it was so strange to me. That she was watching this like kind of racy, spicy, campy show, but she watched it. So yeah, um. I think uh, you're probably right. You, you, this sheds a little light on the situation for me because she probably was watching like a cleaned up version.
1: Is it? I, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm pulling these theories completely out of my ass, but I'm just thinking. Busy tonight. You worked on that show that was on E. I, maybe she was watching. Out of support, and then she just lets it keep playing, and that rolls right into a Sex in the City rerun. I'm sure they were often paired together.
0: This the only thing that kind of makes a hole in your theory is that my mom wasn't one to be overly supportive of.
1: Ah, uh, okay. She, I'm, I'm I worked on sorry. the
0: Gra- the Graham Norton show on Comedy Central, and I think that was the la- this was years ago. Like my children were toddlers, and they're adults now. I worked on this Graham Norton show on comedy central and well, this is a little bit in keeping with what I'm saying about my mom. My mom asked, what are you working on? And she never like had like, she never had an understand. Like she always thought that I worked at a TV station, which, Mm. okay. I I understand because like, if you watch the Mary Tyler Moore show or whatever, that's your idea of like what it is to work. Yeah. So she didn't understand that I worked on shows usually independent of like a station and that there wasn't like a network where I went and punched in every day and reported to, to set or whatever. So I remember her saying like, what station are you working at now? What's, and I was like, it's a show. The station that it's on is comedy central. It's called the Graham Norton effect. It's with this guy. He's really famous in the UK and he has like an American talk show. And so that's the show that I was working on. And we had a really tense conversation a couple weeks later where she was like, I was, I told a bunch of friends to watch this Comedy Central station to watch the show that you were working on with that, that man. And it was filthy. And I am embarrassed (laughs) that I told my friends (laughs) to watch it. And so I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I didn't, I guess I didn't specify that it was filthy. Um, (laughs) I apologize. I'll tell you to tell your friends to watch it. But anyway, so I don't know if she was watching. I feel like she was watching Sex and the City before I was working at E, but I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not perfect on the timeline. So I think it was just a thing. Like I think she just was like a binge watcher of things and my theory is that and I mean this in the nicest way possible, Sex and the City isn't that different from a Disney Channel show with the exception of it being about Sex and having a lot of colorful material in it, I think like sort of the level of storytelling is similar to Wizards of Waverly Place. Is, is that is that rude to say? I, well,
1: I I just haven't seen enough Wizards of Waverly Place to know. You have kids, so I'm sure you've been exposed to plenty of it. Yeah. I I listen. I can't poke holes in this theory.
0: There's something about it that just feels very much like a Nickelodeon or Disney show for horny grownups. And Mm. I mean it in the best way. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they know when they were making Sex in the City, they were like, it's very broad and it's very campy and that will cut through the glass of wine that the person is drinking while they're watching this, it will cut through like they're folding laundry or they're working out while they're watching this. So that's my mm. theory is that it, it had like a, a ring to it that was similar to what she was used to. Yeah. I, I truly do mean that in the nicest way. Like I, I think all of those shows are made by very talented people and like, they're clearly effective.
1: Yeah, clearly. And so after, you know, joining the Sex and the City multiverse, you know, so much later than much of the world, did it did it sweep you up? Did you find yourself addicted or did you have to sort of plow through?
0: No, I really enjoyed watching it. And I i mean, it was fun to be nostalgic and it was fun to I like shows where things happen like there's nothing mm-hmm. worse for me when a couple on a show just goes back and forth. Will they, won't they, will they, won't they, and never wills or won'ts. And so Sex in the City, like they're they're willing or won'ting every week and there's four of them. And so I can't ask for more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated what held up. I, you know, sort of appreciated what didn't necessarily hold up but it made me nostalgic for a time when I'm like oh yeah I remember when we were all going around wearing saying or doing that Mm -hmm. you know just because like I remember it you know I remember the time so yeah so it was interesting I definitely enjoyed it well
1: this binge continued all the way into both seasons of it just like that
0: yeah and I watched the movies too
1: and the movies. Wow, you really, you really did the work. So, having consumed, well, and just like that must have been an interesting experience watching it at that such a tender moment because the first season is all about grief. Yes. Which actually satisfied something for me in a strange way. Like, I actually, I don't know, felt like I needed it. But yeah. wh- how did that feel for you?
0: Well, it's really interesting that. The way that they did it was, it was very satisfying, right? Because it sort of, I think, didn't leave any question unanswered, which, you know, sometimes it's fun to interpret the way people are feeling, um, the way characters are feeling in something that you're watching. But sometimes it's just nice to have a clear answer on everything. And it, it, it was so, I think it was so definitive. It was also it was satisfying in a way i'm i'm struggling to be articulate it was satisfying in a way that succession was also that without spoiling anything there mm-hmm. was a big death in succession mm-hmm. and that i almost blacked out trying to watch like from anxiety slash and it was like that was too close to home even though my mom wasn't like a titan of industry <laughs> um <laughs> But so it was nice to have sort of this, like, ideal picture of grief, I guess, if you will, where, you know, it's grief. And, yes, it's terrible, a terrible loss. But, like, this woman still has, like, a wonderful life and, like, people that love her and are supporting her through. So, anyway, that's that's kind of, I was, it was like a a grief gift.
1: Mm. And you are... Happily married to a a man named Matt. Haven't met him, but love him already. And um, (laughs) the episode we're going to discuss is called They Shoot Single People, Don't They? So how would you characterize your days as a single person?
0: Well, okay. I never have been that single. Matt and I have been together since my, like, first month of college Wow. and I went to college in my hometown. I went to the college where my parents met and eloped with each other and didn't finish college. My mother also brought me to that college as an infant when she was trying to finish her degree. So, wow. so it, you know, just when you talk about like being a townie, but I met my <laughs> Matt really like right off the bat when I started college and so we've been together since I was 18 so I never did have that we were unmarried living in New York City but I never had like a Carrie Bradshaw experience in New York City because I was always with Matt and we were working toward we got married when we were on the verge of becoming common-law spouses because we were like that will be pathetic if we don't actually like get it together and get married so that's when we got married But yeah, we had been together since I was a teenager. And since he was... That's incredible. Hardly not a teenager. Yeah, yeah. So we've been to It's very funny because we're not young people anymore, but we've been together longer than we've been apart at this point. So when people ask how long we've been together, they're like, that's almost as old as you are. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what happens when you, you know, marry your just immediate post high school sweetheart. I mean it
1: must say so much about both of you that you're still together after the, just because of the natural ebbs and flows of anybody's personality going through your 20s and 30, like I was I was such a little monster um coming out of high school and college that anybody who would have dated me I I think eventually I would have been like what what is who who is this creature you know
0: yeah, I'd like to say that I have been at least seven different women since I met this guy, and he has loved every single one of those women. Whoever I show up deciding I'm that person now, he's like, Great, nice to meet you. So into what you're doing. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's very lucky for me. He's just like, in a time. <laughs> He, you know, we come from a time we're talking about nostalgia and and things like that in a time where the bar was so low for guys, I think it it was so low to get over. He was just so above the bar in terms of like being supportive and being like, "Oh, you like comedy. That's very hard for a woman to make a living in. Let me support you doing it. But he's always, I mean, what this isn't a podcast about how great my husband is, but, There could be a podcast about- I mean,
1: listen, the the show is is called And Just Like Matt. Maybe this episode (laughs) just happens to be about
0: a different Matt. This, This will sum up two times in our lives this happened, but I think it sums up a lot about my husband is that when we were dating in college, I was helping him do a lot of things because he was like away from home. He was living away from home, even though I was living at home. When we were doing college, but you know, when you're that age, you don't, unless you were raised a certain way, you don't know how to do certain things. Like if you get sick, how to make a doctor's appointment or whatever, you know? And so I was just doing the normal thing that like, I think a girlfriend did then. Like what I was raised to know is like what a girlfriend was, whatever. Long story long. He came to New York City. He went to New York City first before I did. He had an internship in New York City. And so for the first time in a few years, he was living away from his parents and also living away from me. And he was on his own for like whatever, five months, however long the internship was. And then the goal was for me to finish my classes and come meet him in New York City and we would be an incredibly poor entry-level power couple. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I came to join him in New York city, he was like, listen, I want to talk to you about something. This is the first time I've ever been truly on my own away from my parents and away from you. And I realized that you were carrying a lot of weight in the relationship in terms of like feeding us and take caring, take caring, taking care of, take caring and taking care of like where we were living and making sure that laundry got done and put away. So like for the next three years, we had been together for three years at that point for the next three years, I will handle grocery shopping and laundry at a minimum to pay you back for the past three years of doing this. What a guy Very nice. And then when I had our first child, same thing, I started to get up to get the baby like the first night that I was home when he was crying. And my husband was like, you've been carrying around that 11 pound baby inside your guts for nine months. He wasn't 11 pounds the whole time, but you've been carrying that. But for nine months at the minimum, I will go get, I will get up out of bed and go get the baby and bring the baby at least to you to feed him. Like it You'd need a break, and so those are two examples of a good.
1: I mean, it tells you everything you need to know about my experiences. That when you started saying, you know, he goes to New York first, we're apart for five months, then I come and he's like, I want to talk to you. My mind immediately goes to like, oh, he, well, he wants, he wants to, to like fuck other people because that's what the guy will want to do. And but it's so, so the opposite. It's just so incredibly sweet. You know, yeah,
0: he's a really sweet. I mean, and sometimes like I forget, I just like, and I'm just used to it and I should never, I mean, when our kids were in school, the way that other moms would like, look at my husband, like almost drooling. And it's not like he wasn't like walking around dressed all sexy or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's cause like he does his share and that is yeah. intoxicating to other moms. And he does more than his share, but that that's the truth. I was just was like, oh my gosh, again, like, yeah, it's, it's sometimes I'm reminded of how lucky I am and I'm like, wow, wow, wow. I should be nicer. And then I forget like the next day. So,
1: oh my God, I'll just play this episode for him and that'll make up for any uh, lack of niceness. (laughs) So It's so interesting that like for a lot of us watching these old episodes of Sex and the City is about reliving our like slutty single days for better or worse. And that for you like that. That's not what you were doing at that stage of life. But this episode opens on the four of them. And Carrie says right away in in their narration and her voiceover, it was this rare moment where all four of us are single at the same time. And they're salsa dancing, they're living, they're doing their shots, they're, you know, they're, they're really going for it. And I was, I, I first, like, I didn't remember which episode this was. I mean, I've seen it yeah. all a million times. And I was like, you know, she, as soon as she says, we're all single at the same time, and they're doing shots, you're like, we're, this is going to be fun. But I'm like, but wait, why do I feel a little bit sick? I And then I, <laughs> I and then it quickly started to come back to me. It's like, oh, because I know what happens the next morning right my first thought was just i can't believe how much like dancing used to be a big part of my life for me it was yes. like i was like your sort of run-of-the-mill like weho ho trash just like out <laughs> at the, the bars every night like always wasted always on the on the dance floor with my friends yes what is and and just like the rare moments that I am asked to get onto a dance floor at this stage of life and how long it takes me to just like take off a little bit of the armor and like not be so inside my head, you know, just how how old it makes me feel basically.
0: Well, I was thinking as you're saying this, I was like, and then let's talk in 10 years when you're like me, when you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care what anyone thinks. I do want to go out there and dance, but also like I have to temper it because I have somewhere to be tomorrow and I can't be sore. You know, mm-hmm. like like <laughs> that's really where I am now, where I'm like, I'm all ready to join the uh what is it, the purple hat society, the red hats?
1: <laughs> what's yes, that society
0: yeah. for old old bitches who want to wear mismatched clothes? I'm ready to to join those gals and just say like, Oh fuck it. I'll get out there and dance, but also like, I'm going to be hurting tomorrow. Like not just my feet from these shoes. Like my, um, uh, if I do the electric slide for like more than five minutes, I'm going to be in pain the next day.
1: Yeah. And when, when Carrie is like Oh, I have a photo shoot tomorrow for New York magazine. And yet she's doing shots and she's like, okay, one more drink, which of course then turns into a million more drinks. I'm like even the fact that you're out is, the is so triggering to me right now. But if I'm honest, like the amount of times I had something in the morning and I was, and I just blew it off, slept through it, showed up, probably still reeking of booze from the night before, that was that was just a time and a place.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hubris, right? And I think, well, here's where the writing is sort of brilliant. And I don't, I'm assuming it's intentional. Here's what I got from it is that, yeah, this is about like kind of growing up, you know, because there is a time when you are young enough that you can act like a party girl. You can act insane all night imbibe all kinds of substances and roll out of bed late, unshowered, go get your photo taken and still look fantastic. Yeah. But there's also a time there comes a day in your life where that is not necessarily the case. And like what you've done the night before shows all over you, Yep. <laughs> you know? And so I think that is the lesson here is that like, she was past that point without realizing it. Like she wasn't emotionally past that point, but she was past that point as a human physical being where you can just roll out of bed scummy and still look kind of cool just because Mm -hmm. you have the glow of youth about you.
1: Yeah. God. I know those, those days are definitely behind me. (laughs) I- we'll come back to the Carrie story, but, you know, one thing that happens right out the gate is that Samantha gets hit on by one of the club owners at this yes. salsa club. And first she rejects him. She comes back to him later. She does end up dating him. But did did you have a moment of going, oh, my God, I, is Jerry Seinfeld on this yes! show?
0: That guy looked like such a 90s guy.
1: Like yes.
0: That is hilarious. He did look like Jerry Seinfeld.
1: This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I'm a big therapy person. I would say for me, the greatest benefit of therapy, if I can look back at all of the years that I have spent in therapy, has been changing the way that I speak to myself internally. You know, everybody always says like, you have to treat yourself the way that you would treat a friend. That's much easier said than done. So many of us are our own worst critics and it it, it takes some, some, some help to untangle that. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So take a moment. Visit betterhelp.com slash like Matt today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash like Matt. You know, this show is all about honest conversations where we we really face our fears. And for some of us, it's a fear of aging. For some of us, it's a fear of carbs. And hey, I get it. The fear is real. But that is why I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor, Hero Bread. Hero Bread has remade many of your favorite foods, but in these fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. Two of my favorite things I've always said, if I ever have twin children, their names are going to be protein and fiber. What did I have for lunch today? A tuna sandwich on their seeded bread. It was the perfect texture. It toasts up just like a dream. My God, was it good. And right now, if you go to hero.co and use code like Matt, you will get 10% off your first order. So don't give up on being a breadhead because Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co. Use code LikeMat at checkout. That's LIKEMATT at H-E-R-O dot Well, they say time waits for no one and neither should payday. To get your money moving in the direction of your dreams, get Earn In. Earn In is the app that's helping millions of Americans feel self-sufficient without falling into debt traps. Earnin empowers you to live life to the fullest by providing up to $100 a day of your pay within minutes of earning it. No mandatory fees and no credit check. You just watch your earnings tick up as you work. Access up to $750 per pay period. It's easy and free to get started. You just add your bank and employment info. They'll verify your paycheck. It's designed to support you in the short term and long term. So download Earnin today. That's e a r n i n in the google play or apple app store when you download the earn in app just type in just like matt under podcast when you sign up it'll really help the show that's just like matt under podcast earn in is a financial technology company not a bank subject to your available earnings daily max pay period max and location see earnin.com slash tos for details bank products are issued by evolve bank and trust member fdic yeah. I mean, you know, he he's it's it must have been interesting watching all these episodes, you know, back to back now, because I am always struck by how um, I don't know. sort of The the men aren't hot enough, I guess, is what I'm trying to I was trying to find a delicate way of saying that like these women are so gorgeous. And yeah, it's always kind of shocking, like the 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 men that they are paired with. And maybe that's. Part of the point is that there are slim pickings out there when you're looking for love. You know, and this this gentleman was one of the suitors that I questioned Samantha's judgment a little bit
0: the level the the levels like is like yeah. is it a match is it well it's interesting because like we always talk about that with sitcoms right like king queens like mm-hmm. the, should kevin james be with leah remedy like is leah remedy too hot for kevin james and um and it's interesting that that sort of i guess played out in sex in the city but i guess like I guess a lot of things went into their consideration of any man, including like what their job was and, and how, you know, how stable they were, how willing they were to be in a relationship. But yeah, it is, it's always interesting to me. And I also think that it's kind of as an old person, older person, it's always just interesting to me that like, How much hotter and hotter people seem to get that are on TV shows that are performers in any way. Because like I remember a time when like Leo Sayer could be famous, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, you know what I mean? Like in like when I was a little girl in the 80s and the late 70s, like some Person that looked like Phil Spector could be like the biggest deal, you know? And like <laughs> you never even saw the person. Like, I guess maybe they'd like pop up on American Bandstand for like a couple minutes and you'd be like, oh, okay, I guess that's what they look like or whatever. Like, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you don't think about it. But I always have this fantasy in my head of like what, particularly musicians. Well, because I mean, obviously you see people who are on TV, but you have this fantasy of like what a musician sounds like. And then I would see them on whatever television show and be like, oh, my God, that's not at all what I was picturing. Like, I really was picturing this this God or goddess. And so I just think that like people keep getting hotter and hotter. And it's like it's too much. Like, I think some people are too hot now.
1: Yeah. Like it's, what are we gonna it, do? It's becoming unmanageable. You're so right. And I think that the real housewives are playing into this and like they're raising beauty standards in a way yeah. that like I, I'm like, I, I don't know if I can keep up with this. I'm trying and I will continue to try, but it's it That's is a lot um, outrageous.
0: People are too good looking and like, and then sometimes I'm like, sometimes a person's so good looking that it's not good looking that it's gross.
1: Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm.
0: sometimes I'm like, oh my God, is this why AI exists? Like, uh, like when we get accustomed to just seeing someone who's so hot and then we get bored by it and we have to like, like amp it up to feel something. Like, are we going to have to go to like a hot AI person to like feel something again, you know? I don't know. I'm worried.
1: I am too. I mean
0: all like, that. To I come say, from the from when Captain Stubing was the star of the Love Boat, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And maybe Samantha was looking at William through those that through that lens, you know? Yeah, he's like a mogul. Right, right. And and a lot of uh, sex is more transactional for her in, in some ways. So, you know, she's not judging him the same way I am. Yeah. So the magazine comes out, it's single and fabulous question mark. Carrie looks like hell. She's humiliated. And it kind of sends the group into a panic where they're all suddenly hooking up with guys out of like fear of being alone. Right. And I I don't know. I I have an interesting relationship with that because I, I think that I had that, that fear, that sort of like hole in me for a long time. And it led to a lot of like shitty relationships, but that my marriage came about only after I kind of didn't have that anymore. Right, right. And it's the, so I sort of that just classic thing that it all, it comes about when you weren't, when when you're not looking for it. But you have such a, I feel like such an interesting perspective on this because in some ways you, I don't know, got to skip over some of that or do it at an earlier point in your life?
0: Yeah. I mean, just like I was saying that I've been so many different people. I think I've been in so many different marriages. Like we both Mm. have, you know, just because of the length of time that we've been together, we both have gone through places where we were like just individually killing it And the other person was maybe like lagging behind a little bit, or or we both were so busy with whatever it was that we were doing that we like grew apart a little bit and had to make an effort to grow together. There have been like, I don't think my husband would mind me saying, there have been a couple of times where we were like, is this it? Is this like the natural conclusion of like as far as this relationship can go? And then decided, no, we don't, we don't want that. I think anyone who is married. I think, I don't know. I am hesitant to like, say that my experience is the universal experience, but I have heard from a lot of married people that like some people get to that point where they're just like, is this, this marriage has been a success up until now, but is it like, is it kind of done? And like, who knows, who knows the complicated things that the complicated feelings that go into that. But I can say that there have been times when I have felt lonely, even as like a married person and wished that like my life was different. So I think I identified with that, like that really, really wanting a big difference in my life. Like I, I think that we're raised to always go to relationship first. And so where I had a relationship I can say that there have been times in my life when I wanted a big change in my life and I didn't because relationship was already taken care of. That wasn't the first thing that I thought of to try to change my life. So I think that's just a feeling that people have sometimes that you, you know, that you want your life to be different. You want your life to look different when you wake up in the morning and Yeah. So I identified with that, even though I wasn't necessarily like outdating trying to find the one. I've tried to find the one of a number of other things in my life, Mm. like jobs and friends and all those, you know. And I think if we put as much focus on finding the one of those things as we did on finding like a partner, we'd be really messed up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like sometimes it's so funny to me. I think that we put so much. Effort into finding like a partner whereas like all your friends who are your really important people in your life you don't put that kind of like rules and effort and it's not fraught in the same way usually and it just works out better for the most part and then Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you get really turned around and fucked up by a friend. But for the most part, friendships work out. And I think it's because we don't put all of the expectations on them that we put on a romantic relationship.
1: So, so true. And like the times that I felt like work is not falling into place. Like, what is it about this part of my life? It's like, oh, it's because I'm like, grasping and I'm trying so hard to control this part yes. of my life. And like my like I mentioned, my relationship fell into place kind of effortlessly because I just wasn't pushing. I was like yeah. allowing things to unfold. And yeah, if we could manage to do that in every area of our life, I don't know, we'd all be enlightened masters, I guess. <laughs>
0: We might be better off. I always think of it like, well, work, same thing. You're trying to control something that's uncontrollable. You, you're you trying to bring about these stars aligning that are like not within your control. I always felt like whenever, whenever I was like at my last wits end with like waiting for like a job to come through or whatever, I would always go to restoration hardware. It was like a tradition and I would ask for an application to fill out and i would be like i'm going to work at restoration hardware i fucking love this store i'm going to fold the towels and it's going to be great and then every time i would get a job like that week before i filled out the application so it became like a lucky what was it a ritual that i would do yeah, <laughs> like some you dared the gods yeah like i will that's... work at restoration hardware and i will like it so mm-hmm. unless well, unless you need me <laughs>
1: I might be heading down to fill out an application see if that that works for me.
0: See if it works. Um,
1: so we have this jogging scene with Carrie and Miranda and Charlotte. Can, yes. can you describe what Miranda is doing with her body in this scene?
0: Can I just tell you that, and like no shade to Cynthia Nixon, this is an a testament to how well she does her job i suffer so much secondhand miranda embarrassment
1: throughout (laughs) what
0: so i don't know what she's doing she is doing something with her arms that people don't do i've never seen a person do it when they're jogging not once i don't know why you would do it it's very embarrassing to me but it's so fitting for her character I guess she's just like trying to get her heart rate up more by doing like wacky things with her arms. I also appreciated when they finally, when they stopped running, Carrie immediately starts smoking and Charlotte goes to the fence and puts her leg up on the fence to stretch in a way that's like Elizabeth Berkeley and showgirls wishes she could have (laughs) like what? that was insane. What, charlotte did with her leg insane yeah. and it like nobody called it out it was just go and watch it watch what she does with her leg she i'm speechless clearly i'm speechless yeah. about what she did no
1: but i mean that's just that's a sharp eye that you were able to see past cynthia nixon's like lapping mania to what anyone else was doing on screen and that but yeah it, it rings true it feels very charlotte to be like well if i'm gonna stretch i'm gonna look gonna look cute while I'm. T-. you never know who's who's you know running around i guess they're in central park and which brings us to you know it's not charlotte but it's miranda who kind of picks up a guy yes. and this goes against everything i just said about the men in sex and city because he is played by the very hot the mark great Fu- Fu-
0: Fu- marcy Lawyer I never Ste- know how to say Lawyer that last Steen? name, but
1: he's great. He's, Wh- however, you say it,
0: that guy. Let me just say, he's great in everything he does. He is very hot. He stayed hot for so long before he started getting distinguished in hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love him so much as a performer. I I love him in everything he's in. And I really, oh gosh, I was, I felt so bad for his character in this episode. Because he's like a classic 90s fuck boy, I guess. But like, also not. Like he was, he was fine. He was just, and the issue is that Miranda's faking orgasms with him because he's bad at sex. And when she finally admits it to him, he's like, okay, give me some pointers because I want to be better. That is like, that's grade A guy material yeah, that his very ego, evolved. his ego didn't get the better of him. And he's like a doctor. He's an eye doctor. That's a gag. And when he's like, I know about a woman's anatomy, I'm a doctor. And she's like, you're an eye doctor. <laughs> um, but, but still, he's got the books. He has the reference material. He can go back and reference. I'm sure he wanted to get better at sex and she just wasn't feeling it. And I, because of. Like, I have the benefit of knowing, like, all that's happened as I go back. And w- I'm like, she's not feeling it because she's not into guys, my guy. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And uh, that, you know, was not their intention at the time. But like, right. when you see it now through the lens of and just like that, when she, you know, comes out as lesbian, in some ways, all these bad sex stories totally add up Yeah, from all these years because you're like, oh, of course, yeah she's just that into, into dudes.
0: Yeah. And so I just wanted to reach through the screen and be like, it's not you, Dr. Mark Feuerstein, Firestein. Yeah. <laughs> you're great. You're a great guy, especially for, for the time that you exist in the universe of this show. But yeah. So anyway, and he was like cute as ever. Yeah. Oh man. That was a bummer to me. That was a bummer. Yeah. Because I would have liked it to work out so that he could have been on like a lot more episodes. That would have been great for me.
1: Listen, maybe he can come back. They, they'll, they'll run into each other. And in just like that season three, Miranda will be like, oh my gosh, I should tell you, turns out it was never you. It was, it was me. me. He'll be like, what a relief. I've been carrying <laughs> this shame all these years, all this insecurity. And she's like, "Listen, I'm not dating guys anymore, but I have eight castmates who are single. Can we and hang out? I have in a mix.
0: yes, I would love that. I, I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for that. And just yeah. like that.
1: Um, and by the way, how was the rest of it? Just like that for you?
0: It was. You know what? I have never seen a startup, a reboot of something that I feel like flowed so seamlessly with." <laughs> what the original was and like what everyone was hoping for and wanting from it. I really didn't mind Che Diaz as much as I think everybody was affected by them. I love that actor, Sara Ramirez. Yeah. Yeah. From since Grey's Anatomy days, Uh, Mm a massively talented person and only just a sliver of their talent shown on the show. Uh, but it seemed, it made sense. It made sense that like Carrie Bradshaw would be like a podcast. Totally. And, uh, and Charlotte finally, you know, was where she's supposed to be and everybody was where they're supposed to be. You know, I, I liked it. just like that. I liked it.
1: I did too. And, and I probably helped that you didn't have all of these, this sort of, downtime between the original show and just like that to to sort of stew on what should be done if it's ever brought
0: back right
1: you just kind of watched it all in in one one fell swoop
0: yeah it's happening it was it was just happening and and also i felt like because i wasn't an original fan or an original diehard like i i shouldn't have any say in what happens i'm just along for the ride you know like take me on the ride that that you're riding and I'll go so I yeah. I
1: think more viewers could benefit from that attitude <laughs> we have to mention toward the end of the episode Carrie gets loaded on tartinis tartinis and... which
0: are like cranberry vodka is it just vodka it sounds like it I mean but, I think that exists already but oh. a great name and
1: it's yes. such a boozy episode in general but this is kind of, you know, sort of her big night out. She's determined to meet a cute guy. She meets Jake. He's played by Bradley Cooper. And listen, listen, another exception to once again, I am contradicting myself because obviously Bradley Cooper is very hot and they're making out in his Porsche. He sees the magazine. She jumps out of the car. It's this pretty brief interaction like I feel like in our our collective memory, Bradley Cooper was like one of Carrie's big flings, but it doesn't she doesn't even go home with him. It's you know, no. it's, it's really over very quickly. So brief. But how talk to me about your feelings about the the big loves in Carrie's life in general, specifically big and Aiden. Do you have any strong alliances there?
0: That's a really good question. Well, first I want to say I'm obsessed with B. Coops. I believe that was his first acting job. I believe Uh, that's the first role he ever booked. And I think that he, I think I read somewhere that he lied that he had experience or something. Um, That sounds
1: right. Yeah. Anyway.
0: And I was thinking about the hotness too, because I was like, he is super cute and he's so B. Coops, like prototypical Bradley Cooper but he has like long. I was wondering if people thought he was hot back then because it, the hotness weirdly translates to 2024. Like, I think Mm -hmm. like that's what you'd want a guy that age to look like now. So I wondered if it really worked for people back then, or if people were kind of like, Oh, that guy's like his hair's gross or whatever. I wondered, I wondered, I couldn't, I couldn't answer that question for myself in terms of like the big, Loves in Carrie's life, whether Big Aiden, I guess Burger is like the bronze medal, right? Is he in, yeah of their of He's in there,
1: I suppose, but yeah, he's my I least guess. favorite.
0: Right, he's your least favorite.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting. I mean, like Big is a bummer, right? Because like, why does Big do the shit that he does? You know, Mm -hmm. like, and I think it has to do with, well, again, he's not a fuck boy. He's a fuck man, I guess, (laughs) because he's not a boy, but he just does these like prototypical bro things where he like says he doesn't want to get married, but he didn't mean that. He meant he doesn't want to marry Carrie. And so he marries this other woman And like, what, but like guys do that shit all the time. tail is all this time. And like, I still at my big age could not tell you why they do it. You know? I mean, I have my personal beliefs. Like I think that we all only do things out of love and out of fear. And so I have to assume that being charitable guys do shit like that out of fear and like that. What do they fear? I don't know. I'm guessing death, not to sound like uh, like the parents in Moonstruck or whatever, you know, but I, I just I assume that guys fear death and it makes them do dumb shit. So I guess that's why Big is the way that he is. That being said, out of the two of them, if I was gonna go on a date in real life with either Aiden or Big... I'd probably go with big because he seems like more fun.
1: I am shocked. Listen, you're not wrong. I hate to admit it. You're not wrong because I'm such a <laughs> an Aiden defender. Yeah. It's so tricky. It's like Aiden is so much safer, but at the same time, that's safer is not always sexy.
0: It's, it's a really tough call and they're such different people. And you know what is so weird? Like, obviously, I'm telling you all about my husband. My husband's such an Aiden, you know? Well, that's but You gotta
1: marry an Aiden. You, you gotta mean... marry
0: an Aiden. And so, like, spoiler alert, everything kind of works out the way that, you know, maybe the universe needs it to work out. Maybe it's working out the way it's supposed to for Carrie. But it's really hard. Ho- it's hard sometimes not to have both. And, like, sometimes... I think when you're with an Aiden, you're like, but it would be really nice to like have a classic six on the park with a view. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's nice that you can fix the sink. That's wonderful. And you're very reliable, but also like it would be nice to sort of, you know, have that prototypical. I, he's, Big is such, like, a 50s guy, I feel like. You know, he's like mm. he's like um, a Mad Men character on a different show in a different time, yeah. you know, yeah. in so many ways. But I think that's what, like, women, we're trained, and, like, future generations, I think, will do much better than my generation. But I think we're trained on a diet of, like, kind of expecting a man to be like that. And then... You know, and putting up with the disappointments when he does things that shouldn't be disappointing because you should have known he was going to do them all along. Yep. You know, including dying. You know, like I- I'm with you.
1: <laughs> Classic big that he would leave her yet again.
0: Yeah, find, find
1: another way to uh, to break her heart.
0: Someone uh, yeah. will die instead of getting therapy.
1: <laughs> yeah and <laughs> instead of just showing up for your daughter's piano your your friend's daughter's piano recital yeah yeah like that's such an impossible ask yeah good riddance
0: that's what i say yeah. um i, I mean babe. and also i think that here's what i i'm talking about these people like they're people here's it's what, what I we're think here to do is good is that i think that Aiden and Carrie both matured to a place that they needed to be through their time apart so that they can work together now. That's yes. Hope. That is yes. My
1: hope. Mine too. And, the, and that, that.
0: It, it works in a way that works for them both because neither of them are, you know, they're, they're in a place where they, they can't give up certain things. Now they are who they are. They're, deeply ingrained and Aiden's a father now. And so, you know, that will require a level of unselfishness from Carrie that she's never been asked for in her life. And so it'll be interesting to see, can she do it?
1: Yeah, it will. And I mean, it's, you know, it is upsetting that he, he can't see her for five years at all because his son drank a beer yeah, But no, I mean, he, he took mushrooms or something. I don't yeah, know. Whatever yeah, some, it was, it was, felt like, it was... uh, yeah, you should be concerned. But do you have to end your relationship completely? I don't know. But as a viewer, I'm glad that we are able to just draw this out a little bit more. Yes. Because we want them to end up together. We just don't want the end to come anytime soon.
0: Right. Because of, we're of not show our lives. just watch the right. We're not, we're not going to just watch the, the Carrie and Aiden are happy together show.
1: No, although I will listen, I'll follow them to the ends of the earth. I'll watch them literally do anything. I'm just happy to be with them in How, any sense.
0: Have you talked a lot about the jacket Aiden's jacket?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm in a, a text, a group text in the name of the, of the text is jacket is the new Che <laughs> <which I laughs> tells you. <laughs> Everything about the way people felt.
0: Because when you said that, that you were uh, the greatest Aiden defender, I was like, "Does he defend the jacket? And does he have a similar jacket?"
1: I definitely don't have a similar jacket, but here's my defense of the jacket. It's been a long time, Aiden. You know, Carrie is always the one that got away for him. Marriage or no marriage, he's never stopped thinking about her he knows he's going to see her after all these years. He's been working out and dieting like a maniac to try to <laughs> look good because people have criticized his like body in the past. Yeah. And he's also been like living in the South and and wearing like, you know, ratty clothes all this time. And he's like, fuck, I, I forgot how like how to be like a chic New Yorker. And he goes into some store in like Is he in North Carolina? Whatever state he's in, like he goes to like Raleigh, you know, and goes into what he thinks is probably like a, a quote unquote cool store and just goes to, you know, an employee there and says like, I I need like, I need, I need like high fashion. I need you, I need you to dress, like dress me for this. And he unfortunately put his trust into that person's hand and they didn't have the best eye.
0: And it was a mis- a misstep, a mistake. Yeah. I was a little bummed because like he-, he has like the furniture, like, you know, so you would think right. he'd have his own eye. But also like sometimes, you know, people that are like artsy, craftsy are just little wacky broccolis and they just like wear something that I'm like, OK, if that if you love it, I love it for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right. It's like you you're you are an artist, don't you? Don't you, aren't you like aesthetics? Aren't those yeah. important too?
0: I wondered if it was his artistic uniform. Like if he was like, yes, this is like what I wear and mm. uh, and shows that I'm a serious artisan or whatever. I don't know. It was such an interesting choice. I'm fascinated by it.
1: I hope they address it in season three. I hope they have like a- I feel like a, they'll a, have oh, well, they not. He's not, not going to be around, but wh- next time he comes around, it'd be a great little- Easter egg for the audience if Carrie's like, can I make one request? Don't bring that fucking jacket when you come back to New York.
0: They'll kill off the jacket in a shocking episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could talk to you for so much longer, but I, I don't want to keep you. Last question. Sure. I know you are currently working on a memoir and yeah. the title is The 50-Year-Old Orphan. What yeah. Can you tell us anything about the book, specifically the the meaning of that title?
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, my, I lost my dad about 15 years ago, I think. And that was, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible to lose a parent. And then, as I said, I lost my mom just over a year ago. And it was just aside from being really sad and and difficult in all the ways that we're all familiar with, there was just such a moment where I was like, Well, I'll tell you the truth. I called my uncle, my mother's brother, to tell him that, like, my mom had died. And he really made it a point to be like, well, that's it. Everyone from my family is gone now. I'm alone. And I was like, I mean, so am I, bitch. (laughs) You know, I was like, I'd never even had any siblings. And both of my parents are dead. And I was like, also, it was my mom. It was such a weird... I don't think my wow. uncle's listening to it and just like Matt. So hopefully, <laughs> uh, but it was such a moment for me where it really like sent me into a spiral where I was like, shit, like I obviously have my husband and my children and my in-laws are so wonderful and they truly are like parents to me. I've known them my whole life almost, but it doesn't matter the age that you are i was 50 and i felt like i was like alone on a raft like a poor orphan and then you know it's just such a weird feeling to feel like so unmoored and untethered from your origins and it was actually very sweet we did the podcast live in boston where which is my home home place, as I said earlier, and a lot of my friends from high school came and my mom's best friend Dave came and he was in the audience and Will Daly, who's a great musician in Boston and a friend of ours, he came out to play a song and he had a song that he was planning to play, but as he heard me talking about like being an orphan, like joking, joking, but also being sincere about like being an orphan, he came out and he played maybe from Annie. And-, oh my God. <laughs> and it just sort of like broke my heart. And it was like very cathartic. And I was like, I feel like this is a thing that you're just expected to deal with. Like, you're, of course, your parents are dead. You're 50. You know, how long were they supposed to live? How long are you supposed to live? But it's just a thing that I think like we could talk a little bit more about. So that's what I'm trying to do just to talk about like the funny, weird things about what it's like when someone dies and like the, uh, you know, just the weird freedom, honestly, to say what you want for the first time without worrying that you're gonna like hurt someone's feelings who Mm. had easily hurt feelings maybe you know just shit like that like for for the first time for better and for worse i'm kind of on my own and i can do what i want and so i guess that's what i'm trying to do and i hope that it's funny and i hope that it's touching and we'll see we'll see
1: i have no doubt it's going to be <laughs> all of those things but yeah there is something like i don't know weirdly um i don't know surprising about the idea that we don't necessarily give ourselves the same like permission culturally to grieve once we reach a certain age because, yeah. like you're saying, it's so it's just expected. It's like, well, this is the natural order of things, and of course, it's right. sad. But like, you know, and that I think for so many people, it still feels like the bottom has completely come out beneath you. Yeah, and also it might come with these new freedoms as well. Yeah. So I can't wait to read it. It sounds like a much funnier book about grief than Carrie's book that she wrote in season <laughs> two. It was just like that after losing a big. So I look forward to your, your audio book. I'm sure you're going to be the one who, who reads it.
0: We shall see. Or maybe I'll try to get SJP to do it. <gasps> oh God, that'd be perfect. God. That would be a dream. Wouldn't it? Oh Yeah. That would be a dream.
1: Casey, this was so much fun. Thank you so, so much for doing it. I really appreciate your time. Oh
0: my goodness. I had such a good time. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for giving me an excuse to talk about sex in the city. I never thought I'd get to.
1: Oh yeah. Listen, doors always open when you want to come back and talk more.
0: Oh, call me anytime.
1: And that's our show. Please do give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at And Just Like Matt Pod. And Just Like Matt is a World of Wonder production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkey. Our executive producer is Renee Colvert. Our associate producer is Jess Walinski, And our audio engineer is Justin Mattson. Many thanks to Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder.